Another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day with contradictory news emerging from the House of Representatives, one of many battlefields that deserves national attention right now. Yes, there's a battlefield in the Middle East where, amazingly, uh, there are some people who believe Hamas above the government of the United States, above our military, uh, above our intelligence community, above the White House and the leading members of Congress and all the rest of the institutions in the U.S. This goes along with a Gallup poll that shows that faith in Congress has hit an all-time low. That's uh, uh, fewer than one-third who even have a fair amount of faith in the ability of Congress to function. Why is that going on right now? Well, it has to do with the inability to choose a House Speaker. As uh, we woke up this morning, the news was that... Uh, that Jim Jordan, having lost two different votes, having lost uh, two more votes in his second vote yesterday than he had in his first vote the day before, uh, having ebbing support, having at least 20 members of this Republican caucus who do not want him as speaker, he had basically at least put his campaign on hold. He was ready, ready to wait until January. And the idea was that between now and January, they would give extra powers to the Speaker pro tempore, the temporary Speaker of the House, whose name is Patrick McHenry, and is really a good guy and much better for the job than Jim Jordan and would have a chance of trying to bring Republicans together. But then they held a meeting, it was just an hour ago, and uh, apparently Matt Gates, yep, same guy, and others uh, opposed the resolution of having a temporary speaker, and they want to insist on Jim Jordan or nobody. And uh, what does that mean? When we are careening, we have less than 30 days before a uh, brand-new government shutdown threat. Uh, there is support and money that is desperately needed in Israel and in Ukraine and uh, around the world to keep the government functioning and to keep our military functioning, for God's sake. Uh, with all of this going on, uh, we right now have no idea who is going to fill the role of speaker. Uh, we um, also are going to be speaking with General Barry McCaffrey about the argument that you saw about the hospital bombing which wasn't really a hospital bombing. And I want to take a little bit of credit here. I don't believe there was any news outlet anywhere, uh, not on TV, not on radio, anywhere, that was ahead of us right here on this show that you're listening to right now. It was the first time you heard, because we got it fairly directly from Israel, that the real source of the destruction of the hospital, first of all, it was wildly exaggerated when they said there were 500 victims, but the first source uh, that, you, that you heard right here was that it was a failed rocket and had all the hallmarks of a failed rocket, and they have film of it, and they have actually an intercepted conversation with two Hamas fighters, which we'll share with you, and the proof now is just overwhelming. 
that no, this was not an Israeli attack, and yet Israel is still being blamed for it by people, which indicates to you the enormous danger of a loss of faith in our institutions. And speaking of a loss of faith in our institutions, loss of faith in the army, loss of faith in uh, our Congress and the way it functions, what can we do about that? We'll talk to four-star General Barry McCaffrey, who is a heroic guy with three Purple Hearts, highly decorated, and uh, he has been stunned at the lack of civic education or trust on the part of Americans regarding any functioning American institutions, including the military, who, uh, and this is a point that uh, General McCaffrey has been making on X, I still can't say X. I tend to say Twitter, but okay. He's been making the point on Twitter, which is that uh, uh, President Biden is speaking tonight. He's giving a speech on the uh, uh, the war in uh, Israel, uh, the war in Ukraine. He's speaking from the Oval Office. It's scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern time and will address the administration's response. It comes after Biden flew to Tel Aviv yesterday and pledged his strong, unwavering support for Israel in the wake of the sprawling attack carried out by Hamas terrorists this month. There's also, by the way, somebody else who's going to Israel for a surprise visit ahead of his China trip, which is um, tougher to explain than President Biden's trip. Uh, Gavin Newsom doesn't really have a lot to do with foreign policy. China, I mean China, California doesn't have its own independent foreign policy. It's part of the U.S. Uh, the U.S. and our entire State Department and the way our diplomacy is set up. But he's going to Israel to make his own visit as the head of state for the state of California and also as somebody who wants to be ready with some foreign policy credentials, it seems, um, when he uh, uh, he shows up to replace Joe Biden. And yes, there are many Democrats who are thinking that, though fewer, somewhat fewer, because of uh, Biden's leadership in the midst of this Hamas and Israel crisis. Uh, speaking of the Hamas and Israel crisis, there's also a uh, remarkable development concerning the ongoing uh, trial of President Trump in Georgia for trying to upset the election. This is a statewide uh, trial, statewide legal proceeding. It turns out that Sidney Powell, remember her? She was one of the main sources of the erroneous, dishonest information that uh, the the that got Fox News assessed a $785 million penalty, huge penalty, because they carried uh, Sidney Powell's version of the news, which said that there were fake voting machines that were rigged in China and in Chile and in Venezuela. And uh, in any event, Sidney Powell pleaded guilty to reduced charges today over efforts to overturn Donald Trump's election loss in 2020 in Georgia. She became the second defendant in the sprawling case to reach a deal 
with prosecutors. Now, she was someone who was around the White House plenty. She would have a lot to talk about. Uh, Powell, who was charged alongside Trump and 17 others with violating the state's anti-racketeering law, entered the plea just a day before jury selection was to set to start in her trial. She pleaded guilty to six misdemeanors, accusing her of conspiring to intentionally interfere with the performance of election duties. As part of the deal, she'll serve six years of probation, she'll be fined $6,000, and will have to write an apology letter to Georgia and its residents. She also recorded a statement for prosecutors and agreed to testify truthfully against her co-defendants. Her co-defendants include the former president of the United States at future trials. Uh, we'll be talking about that and more with A.B. Stoddard of, of The Bulwark, uh, who has a um, piece entitled, Hey, House Republicans, It's Time to Govern. We'll also talk about the real danger of the Robert Kennedy campaign, uh, about the confusion in the Middle East, and what next, and how do you know what's true and not true when uh, there are conflicting reports in the midst of the smoke of war. Uh, first up, we'll be speaking with General Barry McCaffrey about the situation in Israel. Coming up on the MedVet Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, it is always an honor to welcome to our air uh, four-star U.S. Army General, retired Barry McCaffrey. Uh, he's done four combat tours. He's won three Purple Hearts. He is highly, highly decorated for his selfless service to our country and somebody who knows the war on terror firsthand. Uh, let me ask you, first of all, General McCaffrey, there seems to be remaining controversy, even here in the United States, let alone in the so-called Arab street, about this uh, story about 500 innocent people being killed because the Israelis deliberately targeted a uh, hospital in uh, Gaza. Uh, of course, this has been denied by the President of the United States, our Defense Department, the Secretary of Defense. It's been denied by the uh, Israeli Defense Forces. Do you have any doubt at all that this was as the reports come from the West, that this was actually a failed rocket by Islamic Jihad that fell back into Gaza and caused some injuries. Well, you know, it's, it's, it is astonishing to see that claim, which was entirely wrong by a terrorist organization, Hamas, take off and capture the world's uh, journalistic attention. They're, they're, you know, I tell people, look, I had four combat tours. I've been in hundreds of situations where I was either the target of or employing uh, mortars, artillery, rockets, attack helicopters, uh, U.S. Air Force bombs. Uh, and in general, an experienced company commander will tell you 10 minutes after his unit's been struck, what the uh, nature of the, uh, of the ordinance was. I mean, they sound different. They have tremendously different impacts. And it was clear from the video evidence uh, that it was not 
an Israeli Air Force precision-guided munition JDAM 500-pound bomb to take out a hospital. They're not targeting hospitals. If they had, they would have hit it. Uh, It would have been devastating and brought the building down. It is highly likely that it was an errant rocket fired by on the jihadist movement right near that hospital. So I was very disappointed in the U.S. media also that seemed to be taking a, on the one hand, on the other hand approach uh, when Hamas's govern government of Gaza. So, you know, it just was complete nonsense and was unverified on top of that. Doesn't this illustrate a deeper problem we have? There's a new Gallup poll that we're going to be talking about, about the lack of trust in American institutions. The idea that there even is doubt about this when the source on the other side is uh, some of the most murderous, vicious, uh, cruel, degraded, degenerate terrorists anywhere in the world. And the fact is that they're going to say, on the one hand, you have Hamas says, and on the other hand, you have people who have devoted their lives to serving America uh, taking a different position. What do we do, uh, General, about trying to win back some of the confidence in our institutions? Well, that's probably the most important question facing America, bar none, Uh, It's been a decade or longer downhill, uh, particularly among young people. There's very little trust in in public authorities, institutions. Some of it, I might add, is just education. Uh, There is no high school civics, no college mandatory take U.S. history, U.S. government. Uh, Everything's in flux. Uh, The ordinary American has no concept on how our government works, doesn't understand uh, the amendment to the Constitution protections they have. They, they don't know who their political leaders are. We're, we have low voting turnout. Uh, we're getting our uh, information, in many cases, off the Internet with completely uh, disinformation, unverified sources, to include in college papers. You know, when I'm reading college papers, I get somebody with a internet source that he had no source no clue what he was quoting from so we have some work to do you know we've got to come together there's 325 million of us the most powerful wealthy democratic nation in global history and we're getting to the point where we can't govern ourselves you i know you you had positive comments in general i had a very positive reaction to president biden's uh, speech in Israel. But one of the things he said, uh, you've taken up with on Twitter, is he said, well, we felt the rage, we felt the kind of frustration and the burning resentment and the desire to do something after 9-11. But then he said, and 9-11 led to, that reaction led to some mistakes. And uh, you say President Biden needs to be cautious in the speech he's giving to the world tonight, uh, calling out U.S. mistakes following uh, 9-11 in Afghanistan and Iraq. The U.S. Armed Forces took 60,000 killed and wounded defending America. The option was another dozen jihadi mass attacks, never forget. Um, Why 
is it such a mistake and such a dangerous mistake for the president of the United States to focus on our mistakes? Yeah, well, it wasn't only the president. That statement was then taken up on air as if it's a given <laughs> that we were remiss in our response to 9-11, uh, where we had 3,000 Americans slaughtered by a surprise attack. We were outraged. Uh, we tried to do something about it. We went to Afghanistan, which from was essentially from whence came the attack on us. Uh, yeah, it was Saudi nationals. So we took global action and basically prevented what would have been an annual event, a mass attack somewhere in America, uh, using different tools, such as we see, unfortunately, with the poor French and other Europeans, people driving giant trucks down sidewalks and killing a hundred some odd people. So uh, the U.S. Armed Forces, the CIA, uh, the State Department, the Treasury Department, everybody came together to try and protect America. Uh, we, the mistakes we made were we stayed to create democracies in Afghanistan and Iraq instead of rooting out evil, smacking them around, leaving a government in place and getting out of there. Uh, but that was a fault of the uh, political leadership to include Congress. So anyway, I, he better, best be cautious about, well, we have feet of clay also. Uh, we were you know, unjust in our actions, uh, my foot. Okay, let us let us uh, emphasize that. That's a tremendous caution that people should keep in mind listening to the president later tonight. Always a pleasure to listen to General McCaffrey, uh, and uh, we will put some of your most recent comments, which are very appropriate and important, up at the website at michaelmedved.com. Coming back, uh, what happens next in the fight for American security and maybe for a functioning House of Representatives? That and more coming up on the MedVet Show. Kevin McCarthy. He was thrown out because of the insistence of eight fellow members of Congress led by Matt Gates. Uh, the uh, obvious replacement for Kevin McCarthy was the House Majority Leader, who's a great guy. Steve Scalise would have been a good choice. But there were people on the very hard right in the Congress, people who were involved with the so-called Freedom Caucus, who said, no, Scalise too accommodating to the other side, not tough enough. He wasn't uh, somebody who um, was deeply involved in the Stop the Steal movement, though he voted that way. He voted to overturn the election. Uh, now it uh, looks like it's not going to be Jim Jordan. He uh, has postponed his third run for the office. And apparently it's not going to be Patrick McHenry. And uh, A.B. Stoddard, 
who is a columnist at the uh, Bulwark, and she has been an uh, editor and associate editor and a columnist at Real Clear Politics for years. And so she's covered the U.S. Congress since 1994. And uh, she has a column under the heading, Hey, House Republicans, it's time to govern. And she says in the column, it's a wonderful phrase, we need a gang of the good. What would the gang of the good do differently than this uh, no speaker in the House uh, is doing right now? Well, I'm uh, like a lot of people who are members of the House Republican Conference even, um, I'm really disappointed that uh, there weren't enough members who were uh, willing to empower a temporary speaker for maybe four weeks to get us through the funding deadline, November 17th, and the questions of aid, aid for uh, Ukraine and Israel. And um, and the, the immediate response uh, today, when most people were talking about it in the House Republican Conference yesterday, as if it was a good sort of temporary pause to work out something that would empower the pro tempore speaker to bring up bills um, on the House floor and uh, whatever, do the duties of a temporary speaker with some kind of agreement from Democrats. This was a popular idea. Uh, it was certainly going to have its opposition, but it was a popular idea until midday today when the right uh, in the conference you know, rose up and said no. What it would look like is a power share, a governing block where a Republican speaker would lead the House and decisions would be made in concert with some Democrats about how to move bills to the floor that had popular bipartisan support. And that would be a funding bill that all the, you know, whatever the hardliners on the right, I, I don't like to call it conservatives, would oppose, but would be, you know, a, a critical mass of Democrats and Republicans uh, working to to uh, keep the government open November 17, and then of course some kind of aid to Israel and Ukraine. There is three. There are 300 votes in the House for support to Ukraine, no matter how unpopular it is on the right. So, so it would be a Republican-led House, but it would be a deal where Republicans enabled a, a, a sharing, not a sharing of power, but a sharing of, of the processes um, in order during this critical time of multiple crises uh, where there was room for some bipartisanship that would um, allow uh, us to avert a government shutdown and us to be able to fund the defense in these wars. That, okay, that's what uh, I want. AB, if I, can, if I can just stop you to clarify here, because what you're saying is incredibly disturbing and, and alarming which is what you're saying is that the whole reason that they torpedoed this idea of just extending the power of the Speaker Pro Tem, uh, Patrick McHenry of uh, North Carolina, the whole reason that they were doing that was to block uh, what 300 members of the House clearly favor, which is providing emergency aid, some ammunition which is needed, for Ukraine in defending its national existence? Is that the, the core issue that is leading people to block this uh, obviously very practical, obvious idea to allow the uh, 
temporary speaker to at least function till January. Well, the way that they would describe it to you, Michael, is we are not going to build a coalition with Democrats. We are not going to share uh, any power with Democrats. It's our majority, and we can't we can't have a temporary speaker that um, comes into agreement with Democrats on how to proceed to, with bills on the floor. We we run the chamber, and we will figure this out on our own. That that's what you hear coming out of a of a almost four hour conference this afternoon. How, how many of the people in that four-hour conference do you think actually want to see a government shutdown with all of the disasters that would mean for ordinary Americans for the truly disastrous impact that would have on our foreign policy? Well, the, yeah, the problem is when you hear them pressed in interviews on Fox News, they say things like, we can't take it off the table. And they continue to talk in a way um, that they they hope to convince voters uh, that they are going to make significant uh, cuts um, to to spending that would violate the terms of the debt agreement that were arrived at in May with a Democratic Senate, a Democratic president and Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And by the way, Patrick McHenry was heavily involved in coming to that deal. So the, what the hardliners in the House Republican conference say is we, we can't take a shutdown off the table because we are here to fight for, um, for, for spending cuts. And what they don't tell their voters is they are powerless because of the math to actually do that. But a shutdown shows that they took it to the math. So I, I would agree with your premise that a shutdown is not unpopular um, among, you know, maybe a good third of that conference. Okay, the with a, a shutdown looming, one of the other things that they uh, hold against Patrick McHenry, and one of the reasons I think he was blocked, is uh, he acknowledges that uh, Joe Biden was elected as president. He never voted for any of those let's overturn the election uh, moves that uh, dozens of Republicans did vote for. Uh this is this is going to be disastrous, don't you think, uh, when these congressional seats are fought over uh, just a couple of months from now? This is not going to help maintain a Republican majority. No, but I wrote a piece a few weeks ago, if you can believe this. Um, it was before Kevin McCarthy lost his speakership. A few weeks ago, when they were facing the, the last shutdown, they just started going on TV trashing each other. I, I think they there was a fatalism, Michael, that, that set in and infected the House Republicans that it's kind of too late anyway, that they don't really have the goods for impeachment, they have to proceed with it, uh, that they, and that was before they took down Kevin McCarthy. It was just this fatalism that they were gonna lose the majority anyway, so why not everyone get in their corners and every man for themselves? Then they deposed the speaker. Now the House has shut down um, as a branch of our government, and they can't pick a new one to take their place. And, and yes, I do think this is going to cost them the House, but I think they already felt that they were going to lose the House. And the nihilists, um, who are the loudest voices, I do not believe are interested in maintaining the House majority. That is a chilling thought indeed. A.B. Stoddard, her most recent columns are linked at our website at michaelmedved.com. 
I want people to hear some of the voices from the House of Representatives, which will be playing for you, coming right up. Entertain your brain. Your show is very entertaining. Every day on the Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. that we were just talking about under the headline, Hey, House Republicans, it's time to govern. A.B. Stoddard writes, uh, the Republicans who defied the pressure, meaning the pressure to sign up and support Jim Jordan for speaker, must piss off their party even more because it's not enough to reject Jordan, she writes. Now it's time to govern. This is not a request for bravery in the face of Trump's tweets, she writes. Uh, There is an urgent vacuum in American leadership that must be filled by patriots who appreciate the peril this moment represents. We need a gang of the good. That's what she says, and I think she's right. Uh... The uh, whether it's a temporary bipartisan deal that enhances the power of acting speaker pro tempore uh, Patrick McHenry or that sets a, a seats a respected consensus speaker, maybe even one who is not a member of Congress or some other plausible plan. Some Republicans must act. Do they sound like they're ready to act? Uh, there's a collage that was put together of um, various Republican members of Congress speaking to CNN's Manu Raju. Uh, They include Jim Banks of Indiana, who uh, I believe is about to leave Congress to become the next governor of Indiana, Michael Waltz of Florida, and Carlos Jimenez of Florida. Uh, Listen. It's the biggest FU to Republican voters I've ever seen. It's a big mistake. It's a big mistake. How many Republicans? And over half the Republicans in that room are against it and are going to go to the floor and vote against it. It's going to take Democrats to make it happen. And that's a that is a historic betrayal to our Republican voters if we go along with it. What's the level of tension and frustration in the room right now? Hi. Um, I'll, I'll just leave it at this. The eight who did this clearly did not have a plan. Where I come from as a veteran, if you're gonna blow a bridge, you better have another one to cross. And those eight clearly didn't have another one. Jim Jordan is indicating he's not gonna drop out of this race and he's gonna still be the speaker designee. Is that the right choice? Uh, no, I think he, he's, um, he's going to reassess. Uh, he's going to call the folks that are, that are um, voted against him, find out if there's any movement, and then he's going to have to, he's gonna, he said he's going to reassess that with his family and then make a determination. Okay, and again, leaving the determination until January 1st, January 15th is the Iowa caucuses. So is there some assumption on the part of Jim Jordan that his buddy, uh, Donald Trump is going to have the nomination completely locked up before the Iowa caucuses and he'll be able to direct the members of Congress to do what he wants. And he has already said he wants to see Jim Jordan as speaker. Uh, but Don Bacon, 
who is a mainstream Republican from Nebraska. He has that seat in Nebraska that includes Omaha, so he's a major target of Democrats this time. He, um, he thinks that Patrick McHenry is perfect for the job because he doesn't want the job of speaker. Uh, listen, this is clip six. So who's going to be your speaker? Is Patrick McHenry going to get it by default, do you think? I think he's one of the most likely guys to do it. He's reluctant, which makes him one of the best. Uh, he has a respect from everybody in the conference. I think Kevin McCarthy still has a good chance to be our next speaker, uh, frankly. There's other people. Tom Cole, uh, a great guy from Oklahoma, widely respected. We have younger folks like uh, Congressman Green from Tennessee or Congressman Hearn from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. We have folks that can win 218 votes. What happened here is you had two people that the Jordan team, not Jordan itself necessarily, but they undermined them, which gave Jim Jordan a lot of baggage because we were all angry about how the other two were treated. And that's, yeah. I think we, could, we should clean the slate and, and start anew. Okay. <laughs> Cleaning the state and starting anew is a, a very good idea. It is now less than a month before the next deadline for a government shutdown. It's just unbelievable how this is uh, getting out of control. Uh, Reverend Bacon, uh, re not Reverend, it's Representative Bacon uh, from Nebraska had more in his interview with Jake Tapper. Listen. Do you, do you see Jordan getting to 217 anytime soon, or do you think he's going to keep doing worse and worse? I believe he's done. He needs to say, he needs to withdraw from this. Uh, he's going to lose more votes tomorrow. I know it. I already have. I know who's going to cross over and change. He doesn't have any pathway forward to 217. And there's two different reasons why. You have some group that's worked with him going back 10 years, and they've worked with him on appropriations, uh, more senior folks where he's caught, created a lot of chaos. I'm in the other camp where I don't like how he got here, right? We, he got here with a small number of Jordan backers who eight of them, for example, seven of them backed him, uh, but there's eight total that was vacated the chair on Kevin McCarthy. Our rules state in the Republican conference, you got to have 112, right? And they came in with eight and violated our rules. They followed the rules, you had to have 112. And then we voted for Steve Scalise, uh, and we, he got the majority vote, and then we had five Jordan backers say they would never vote for Steve, right, but would only vote for Jim Jordan, right after Steve won. Okay, uh, this is problematic. One of those Jordan backers, uh, Matt Gates, son of a previous state senator in Florida, which is why he is sitting where he is, and why he is such a witty power in the House of Representatives. Uh, he was speaking about that idea of empowering the Speaker Pro Tem, Patrick McHenry. He's against it, of course. Listen. I, th I think that I'm against Speaker Light. I'm against Bud Light. I believe it is a constitutional desecration to not elect a Speaker of the House. We need to stay here until we elect a Speaker. And if someone can't get the votes, we need to go on to the next person. But, but twisting and torturing the Constitution to empower a temporary Speaker is having a Speaker light that is not constitutionally contemplated, is deeply infirm, and I will do everything possible to stop it. Okay, and so will Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, here is the gentle lady from Georgia. 
Uh, I do not support this plan. Republican voters worked too hard to give us the majority for us to enter some sort of temporary speakership. Um, our conference has a responsibility to the American people, uh, to our districts, to work together and unify. And this conference is absolutely broken. And the reason why we're broken is because Republicans worked with Democrats and put us here. Um, it's outrageous. We have, we have serious issues happening in our country. Terrorists have come across our border. War is breaking out in Israel. War is continuing in Ukraine. The economy is getting worse and worse, and inflation is crushing everyone's ability to afford to live. Um, this is the most disappointing thing, and it has, it has to change. Okay. Uh... Marjorie Taylor Greene, aside from her comments, she's right. It does have to change. There, by the way, is breaking news. Uh, U.S. officials have uh, reported that a Navy destroyer uh, near Yemen, which means near Saudi Arabia as well, intercepted multiple missiles. A U.S. Navy warship today took out three missiles that had been fired from Yemen and were heading north, a U.S. official said. The official said the USS Kearney, a Navy destroyer, was in the Red Sea and intercepted the three missiles. It wasn't immediately certain if they were aimed at Israel, but they very possibly were. There's something I can agree with uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene on that uh, she said yesterday. Uh, she is moving to censure her fellow Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib after the Democratic lawmaker refused to apologize for erroneously blaming Israel for a deadly strike on a Gaza hospital. The Al-Ali Baptist Hospital in Gaza City was hit by a devastating blast on Tuesday night, hours before President Joe Biden's planned visit to Israel the following day. According to Palestinian officials, at least 471 people were killed in the strike. More than 314 were wounded and hundreds of others remain under the rubble of the building. Um, impartial observers, and uh, in, including people in the U.S. military, highly question those figures of the 471 people or the close to 500 people. And uh, there's a, a great deal of material which uh, was alluded to by General McCaffrey when he was with us that indicates that this was not an Israeli attack and uh, that this is one of those things that the United States and our government has denied, uh, the government of Israel has credibly denied, and yet people like Rashida Tlaib want to ally themselves and believe what Hamas says not worthy of this greatest nation on God's green earth.